0: My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right To her I would say, I wanna give back
1: It's Wednesday, the end of Wednesday, October 18th. You know, it's, it's really an amazing fellowship and community we have built here. And, you know, last hour was kind of a, just a directional reset and a reminder and totally Holy Spirit led. And, I, I, and I'll share that in this sense. I was working to get that interview up and tons of problems with the audio. And I just, I realized it just wasn't gonna get done tonight. And uh, there's been some things just kind of weighing on me as, as was evident, but I just, I literally sat back and I just said, Father, I just, I just want you to take over the show tonight. And I want you to help me speak my heart and I want you to speak through my heart. And that was a lot of what all that was. And it's really a pretty amazing and beautiful step we're making from where we begin to where we're going And it's humbling to hear the words and breath of the Father and how much he loves us and how much he wants for us and how big his vision is. And with that, it's the constant message of don't put him in a box. And even if he would say it is don't put me in a box. Let me be in this world with you, to live with you, to be with you, and, um, let me walk with you and let me show you how great we all can be. And and that's, if there's anything that's really transitioned for me over the last four and a half weeks, which in my full testimony, um, last four and a half weeks have been huge for me. And that reflection comes out in, um everything I'm doing now. And it's really, I see it um, in the way I see the world. I see it even sitting at dinner tonight with my parents. My reflection of my heart reflects what they feel and from me. And so much is transitioning and transforming. We really become emissaries in the world with how we carry our heart in the world. And it's not limited to what's inside of us. It's what we're sharing through that beautiful, Holy Spirit that flows through us. This is a really good time. In the fast paced of four and a half weeks, I, for myself, it has been a constant go in a great way. I don't, I don't think I can mark a more amazing time in my life to where literally from Barts Fest to where just things came together so well, the excitement, the energy, the beauty, to the places of Deliverance and prayer, healing, and watching the miracles unfold—the gifts that came out of it in so many levels. The friendships, the fellowships that came out of Bards Fest, was incredible. And then that pivot, right? I was looking the new. By the way, the new website, which will be out on the first of November, and it's there's a Bards Fest website and there's a Bards Nation website, and I'm anxious for you to see it because when I saw it it just stole my heart. And this is all Hannah's doing in her design. And she captures the the essence of what Bards Fest is about. And it's just a beautiful testimony to who we are with the photos and the the layout. And just you feel the love that we have. And that's even reflected in the new Bards Nation website. And it's really starting to, I've asked a lot of times, how do we reflect what we have? And here I have Hannah, which I, I say she's my assistant. That isn't even fair. I mean, she's like create she's like the one that's capturing our vision and putting it into what we are. And she's giving voice through image and and to who we are. And it's beautiful. And we start to realize when you step back that we've really got us brought together something really amazing. All from online communities to Knitting something together that is literally changing the world. And we are. And that's the one thing never to forget is that we truly are changing the world. And we're being changed in the process. I think that's the biggest piece, right? And so I was just going through some of the photos tonight. And there is a photo that is, if you were at the Sunday service, you'll know what I'm talking about. If not, you can see it online. It's there, but it's just—or actually, I don't know that we filmed it. I guess we didn't film Sunday service. I can't remember now. But it was really powerful, and it's just a touching photo as to the power of what we were doing there. And it wasn't us; it was the our commitment to Christ and our love for each other, and the just the energy of the Holy Spirit. And this photo is um, the first part of this photo. I'm sitting on a stool on stage, and I and to be honest with you, I've, I've not done a Sunday sunrise service. So I have, I had really no idea. I, I can't stand, if you haven't figured that out for me, I can't stand conventional pulpit talk, nor do I like anything conventional period when it comes to anything you call a sermon. So I just did the same thing. I just went up on stage and I sat down on a stool or sat down on the edge of stage originally. I can't remember what it was because I was sitting on a stool and I just said, "Okay, Father, let's just do what I do and what you do with me. Let's just talk." And what was supposed to be an hour service became about a four and a half hour service, and everybody was engaged. And as I, and this is the the why of what I'm getting to, because over on the steps, which I want to highlight before I get to that. When we got to there, there was no steps up to the stage. In fact, those steps were broken. And this is just so much the way we flow as a community, not just Barge Nation, but Resistance Nation. The two tribes, they see the the thing, they found the steps behind the stage, they were broken. And pretty soon, four or five guys came up and fixed them and installed the steps. And so now we had steps to the stage. That's just what we do. And so on those steps, Leah and Michelle were sitting, and as I was talking, and we we're going through this, we'll just call it a conversation with God on Sunday, which is anymore, I think that's, I'm not even going to call it sermons, it's just, just conversations with God, and we're communing with God, and I look over to my left, and Michelle is kind of pointing over, and she's, she's distraught, and I can see, and I'm, I'm wondering what's happening, and she points to Leah, who's got her head down, and Leah's crying. And I motioned to Michelle and I said, you know, to bring Leah up and Leah came up and just put her arm around my neck and I standing next to me and I put my arm around her and she just cried through a beautiful testimony. It was truly of the heart and Michelle stood there and, and she was crying and this is really beautiful because I'm just like racked, wrecked with tears. And she tells her story of her testimony of how she has always loved Sunday service and she lived for Sunday service and Sunday service just became dead. There was no Holy Spirit. There was just obedience to the pew. There was offering plates. And and I'm paraphrasing a lot of what she gave testimony to. So I'm not doing it justice, but I think you get the idea. But her bottom line was this was the first Sunday service she had been to in over 20 years where the presence of the Holy Spirit was just flowing and she could feel it. And it just brought everyone to tears. And it's a beautiful testimony of who we are and what we come together to do. We don't come together because someone's got the coolest shoes or the latest fashion. And you see it when you watch these, these coming togethers of Bar's Nation. It's truly, it's families, it's, we did a hundred baptisms, and many of those people that were in bapt that sought baptism, were waiting, some were waiting over a year to get a baptism at Barsfest. I mean, I, those are the sorts of things that just, you step back and you just go, wow, what a beautiful testimony to who we are. And it's a we. So it's, there's something very special here that we have to nurture. And so I want to read um, John fifteen twelve to 17. And this is a passage that I was directed to read today. And it has a lot of very special meaning to me as I'm stepping into, uh, I'll just use it like this. God's provided me with some new mantles to carry and I'm, I'm embracing them. And as I step into them, this is the kind of this, this was a really critical piece in this transition. And it reads, This is my commandment, that you love and unselfishly seek the best for one another, just as I have loved you. No one has greater love nor stronger commitment than to lay down their own life for his friends. You are my friends if you keep on doing what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, for the servant does not know what his master is doing but I have called you my friends because I have revealed to you everything that I have heard from my father. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and I have appointed and placed and purposely planted you so that you go and bear fruit and keep on bearing and that your fruit will remain and be lasting so that whatever you ask of the father in my name, he may give it to you. This is what I command you that you love and unselfishly seek the best for one another. And that's at the very heart of everything that we are here. It's at the very sense of who we are. And it should be at the very core of what we strive to be in everything. These last few weeks, I have been personally tested on a lot of levels. I've been tested with disappointment and having to find my way through that to find love. I have been tested with a few moments of anger, and I've had to find my way through that to find the center point of love. I've been tested with vulnerability at a level and transparency that I never thought I would have to confront in a public forum. And yet God put me there and asked me to be that vulnerable. And I said, yes, I have stood witness to testimonies of people, of things that hurt and buried and hurt them so deeply. And I've given compassion in a way that I didn't know. I have been led by the Holy Spirit to learn about the deeper parts of what it is to pray and to heal somebody. And even a man in that place of the Holy Spirit to pull him in close and give another a hug because it's the love of the Father that you're sharing. All of these burdens of the stereotypes of our world that have been done intentionally to separate us from one another, to detach us from the true essence of love, to shred us to shred any evidence that God made us. All of these things in one way or another and so many more, we have to release and let go. And our whole objective here is to get deeper in Him, to come closer to Him, and to know Him in a more perfect way. Our walk is so unique because on one level, we it is personal with Jesus and it is personal with Jesus to the Father. On another hand, it's tied to our brothers and sisters, because how we reflect the father to another is a reflection of how the body works as a whole. And I've had those moments. When I left Bardsfest, when the morning I was going to leave Bardsfest, one of our own came up to me and she said, "I need to be baptized." I was like, okay, then we're going to baptize. Let's go. And we walked up to the baptism pool, and it was, as I expected, it was dry. It had been drained because they were coming to pick it up that day. So we walked down towards the lake, and I don't know what wasn't clicking in my brain at that point, but I went to see John, who's a pastor, and he said that, because I don't have a baptismal pool, but, uh, and so I immediately went on to Paul Cantrell, Pastor Paul, and I said, Paul, do you have a, I need to do a baptism? And I said, I am a little bit out of my league because I haven't done a baptism before without a dipping tank. And he goes, well, I had a pool, but why don't you use the lake? And I'm like, Oh, that's dumb. Well, yeah, why don't we use the lake? And this, this whole thing erupts, and it's just watching the, the whole community come together. John is in the back of his... minute he heard that, he races in the back of his truck. They're all packed, ready to go. And he digs down and he pulls out this big mat. And he starts running down to the lake. And Jay Wu is down there. And he's already in the water. And we've got Candy, who is our, our photographer. She has run back to her truck and is now running back to meet us down there. In the meantime, Big Bill, who is the campground manager swings up by her, and he doesn't even know what's going on. He says, get in, I'll race you down wherever you need to go. The whole Cantrell family comes out. And a few other people that are around there come out. And pretty soon, we have this whole audience of everybody there to watch one of our fellow Bards Nation's people be baptized. And J. gets in the water, makes sure the mat is flat so we don't slip on the rocks. John and I step in and we do the baptism together. And it's just beautiful. I mean, it's truly a beautiful moment. It's a moment right out of a biblical scene like John the Baptist, literally. The sky was beautiful. That We're in the lake. It's And you just watch the way everybody comes together to celebrate this as it should be. That's who we are. Because as diverse as we are, as unique as we are, where our heart is in the right place to literally love and unselfishly seek the best for one another. That's the core of what Bar's Nation is. And I've seen it. I've lived it. We've shared it. We've all lived it. And that's the direction we just need to go farther in and deeper in. There's so many aspects to what lies ahead in great ways. But at the core of everything, whether it's Operation Vineyard or whether it's literally deliverance and healing, or whether it's ministering to men, which is very passionate to me for obvious reasons, because through the men, we raise up the family, whatever that is, it's always the same love and unselfishly seek the best for one another. I have not been this place the whole time here, and you know it. And this has been a journey for me that is so rewarding and so satisfying that not only do you all come and listen and share, but we share this journey together. And it's humbling. The beautiful part about that is that we all grow together, and as we grow together, uh, we raise up together, and we get stronger in the body of Christ, and we become mightier in the body of Christ, and we become warriors within the body of Christ, but the warriors are so much different than we ever imagined. I've struggled with that warrior line for a long time. And as you've heard, the 2,500 plus shows, you can hear that progression. One that started heavily with emphasis on the sword of steel that arrives now to tell you that you can almost keep the sword of steel in your sheath and wage almost all wars with the sword of the spirit, which has a center point of love. That's a greater shift than you most maybe can appreciate for me. But so much of what that is, is starting to know the true heart of the Father. And I've been blessed for him to show it. But he shows it because I say yes. And so I don't say this with some sort of pride to say, hey, guess what I can do? I'm sharing this with you because I want you to do the same. To live in the yes. To be able to say when he nudges, yes, to look in the darkness and go, I don't know which way I'm going, but yes, because you're going to walk by faith, not by sight. I know I've told this story already, but I want to repeat it again tonight because it's really important for this context. We were, um, on the day I was leaving, this was Monday after the the baptism, and the prayer team that we had, which is just, super cool, rock solid, sent me a word and said, you need to leave in the cover of darkness. And I really didn't know what that meant. I just know that we had some crazy stuff going on and I'm like, okay, so this is either like I'm going to be protected or there's like some super secret stuff that I need to be doing. And I didn't know my mind is a funny way. Well not funny, it just comes from my background of always thinking in terms of war. And so we got to the evening, and by the time I packed up my camp, it was late in the afternoon anyway, and the sun was starting to set. And I took time to pull the Jeep up next to the stage and just get out and sit on the stage and just sit and pray and enjoy the moments of reflection of all that we had done and to spend that time literally having a conversation with God. And soon enough, the sun was down and it began to get dark, so I got in the Jeep and I just obeyed what was said, and I put in the coordinates of where I wanted to go and the GPS just wouldn't work. It just spun, you know, the death spin of, a, of the bouncing beach ball or something, you know, on your phone. So I pulled the Jeep out and turned the lights and drove down the long road and got down to the main road, and I haven't gone out of here now for about five days. So, it's not that I'm not good at directions. Matter of fact, I'm good with directions, but, and I know generally which way I'm going, but I didn't pay a lot of attention coming into all the little side cuts of the country roads. So, I pulled out the Atlas because I always carry one because I never trust the digital stuff that we have. And it just wasn't, I wasn't finding where we were on the Atlas. And so, I just sat back and I took a breath. And I said, okay, I've got three quarters of a tank of gas. I'm just going to drive and I'm going to drive as God would want me to drive by faith. And that was the lesson. That's what leaving under the cover of darkness was about for me to be reminded that God wanted me to drive trusting in him, not trusting in anything else. And so I drove that road out. I still honestly didn't know where I was going. I didn't know whether I was, I had two directions, one to go south and one to go north. And I finally made it to the main road and I sat for a moment and I just prayed. I said, where do you want me to go, Father? He said, go to Louisville or Louisville or Louisville, I guess. I can't say it right. Everybody tells me I tell it wrong. Whatever that town is, I think they call it Louisville, Kentucky. And so I started heading out and suddenly the GPS started working just like that. These are the things I say that we like to explain things away, but these aren't explainable things away other than God needed me to learn and hear him again to remind me. And the tool of mockery, these technologies, he just shut it off for a while. Because I'll tell you, I, I used my GPS coming in. There was no issue. But going out, this thing wouldn't work. So I took up the road and I talked to my parents for the next hour. We hadn't talked for about a week because of all the stuff going on. And they, were, they had been watching the festival, and they enjoyed it. And so we got a chance to catch up. About two hours out from the hotel, I am. Uh, I'm sorry, two miles. I said two hours, two miles out from the hotel. I said goodbye. And as I'm about ready to head to the hotel, get a little nudge to pull into a supermarket to get some food for the night. And I, as I pull in, I just, God just says, give Michelle a call. And this is just one of these things that, as you have, if you had been there, you would know that on Sunday when we baptized, Michelle and Leah got baptized. And then from that, as I finished that, Brian Derrico from Glad Tidings Church gives me this look and he's like, I know that look because I've worked with him a lot. And he's like, he looks at me and I'm like, uh, I'm hesitating. He goes, you know what that means. I said, yes, I know what that means. And he was getting the word from God that I needed to get baptized as well, which I was happy to do. But the blessing that came out of that was the word that you, Lee, and Michelle are spiritual brother and sisters. And that's, it sounds like something cool, but let me tell you, that's an unknown territory. You really don't know what you're getting into. And it's not that we don't trust it, but it's, we don't really have that context in our life. What does that mean? And so what evolves over the next week is the discovery of the beginning of what that means. And what it is, is this unbelievable gift that God gave us, a gift of loving our, each other with the purity of heart as greater than what you would expect with a brother and a sister. And this is where things get all complicated with many people because they look on the outside and they're like, oh, what is that going on? And it's like, what that is going on is it's called the love and the spirit of each other and seeing each other truly for who God intended us to be as brother and sister. And I don't understand that in the sense of how God makes spiritual families, but he's doing it and he's doing it all over. So part of this is to remind you to keep your heart open right now. Because the prophetic work that was given, and that's another thing, you haven't heard me say prophetic word much, but since Bars Fest, I mean, there's like download after download coming and it's the Spirit talking and I just share it and, and it's just unbelievable. These are gifts and they're all available to all of us. So there was a prophetic word given to me last Saturday and the prophetic word was this that the ties of blood of a family will not endure as we go forward. So I'm making the ties of the spiritual family which will rise up and lead. And that's what's happening. This is what we're feeling here in this community. There's ties of the spiritual family. And it's profound. It's big. It's deep. And it's enduring. And it's so fulfilling. So... Those five days I spent with Michelle and Leah, I, I don't know how to really put it into words because it was providing me something that I never knew that I missed because I never had it. But God knew it was a hole within me, and this is why we trust in Him. I've never had older sisters by age; they're younger. But when I say older, the wisdom that comes from those two ladies is amazing. And I'd never had older sisters. And yet, now I do. And that sense of fulfillment in my life, I had a one brother and we were estranged. And that sense of fulfillment in my life was something unknown. And yet, I suddenly realized it was the hole I was searching to fill. And I don't even know why that hole was there. And I still don't. But it was there. And it was filled with a gift the Father gave me. And that's reciprocated in in Leah Michelle's own testimony, which is theirs to tell, not mine. But it was, it's amazing. And in the process, that's another type of deliverance because it's our Father with the Holy Spirit working through us to heal wounds that we don't even know we have. And that's when we say yes, and that's when we trust in him. And then we go on to the next week and I have about three days of just travel across the country and I just taking in all that he was, taking time just to listen, taking time to drive and pay attention to the beauty and the glory of the world that he creates. And then arriving in Yuba City and then going to men's camp. And being with men, they have hearts of of lions, but so many, and this is what I think, and I'm speaking now to men and also to you women, hear my heart. Men are supposed to be tough. They're supposed to carry the weight of everything. But there's wounds that we all have. And they're wounds that end up breaking us down at times. I've been extremely guarded in my life and a lot of things and what father has had me do over the last three weeks, four weeks is literally open that heart up and even in the hardest of testimonies of deliverance to share it to the world. And I, I wanted to kick and scream and say no. And he said, no, I need you to say yes. And I did. And as I stood vulnerable and in many ways, in my heart terms, naked to the world, telling my darkest burdens, my greatest fears didn't come true, it went the other way. I felt I would lose everything. I felt I would undo friendships that I had just built and instead that morning that I was going to get on the air to tell my testimony, Corey Terry, who you know from Barts Fest, special forces medic is team sergeant, retired, calls me. He says, how are you doing? I said, got a lot on me. He goes, I can hear it in your voice. He says, you sound tired. He says, Scott, you need to get some rest, but I also want you to know something. Warriors, heal warriors. Whatever you're dealing with, we are with you and stand with you and we will walk with you. See, that's how God builds family. That's how God builds a spiritual family because it's a spiritual family that never leaves you, it leans in. And we're so conditioned by the family of the flesh that we're so often, we carry the burdens of fear that oh, this person's going to turn on me. This person's going to walk away. This person's going to condemn me. Not in God's family. Because it's built on the right ties. It sees the heart. It sees who we are. And as that family comes together, we stand together. We pray together. And we heal together. At men's camp, back to what I was saying, is that so many of these men, they're good men. They've fallen hard, many of them. They carry that weight, and it's hard to let go because when they step into the world, they're not supposed to be tender. They're not supposed to show any vulnerability. Men aren't supposed to cry. Men aren't supposed to talk about what hurts them. They're supposed to stand up, buck up, and move forward, but those wounds stack up and those wounds can burden and those wounds can demasculate and those wounds can break people down. Good fathers become burdened to be weak. Loving fathers can become angry. Husbands become weakened by guilt or vulnerabilities they can't share. And that comes out in different forms like anger and distance and a variety of things, exactly what a marriage doesn't need. <laughs> and if you ever want to know that, how I know that, because I did it for different relationships and failed. The freeing nature for us to be transparent with our heart to the world is beyond measure. And it's not something I ever understood until God put it before me and said, I need you to go here. And kicking and screaming, I said yes. And he knows me well enough that if he says and asks, he knows that I will. Though he also knows that sometimes he's going to get a little tantrum along the way. But I do obey. And what he showed me was that the greatest strength for a man isn't what you harbor and hide in your heart. The greatest strength of the man is when you can stand before the throne and be vulnerable and transparent and be willing to share that with anybody he directs and trusting in him to know what that does for your own strength, your own connection with kingdom and the power of the Holy Spirit that flows through you. It's all gifts for the positive. There's no negative. It's also a threshing. Because as we speak these truths into the world, you begin, you find out right away who's truly your friend and your brother and who's not. There was an amazing week then with men at the men's camp, watching men release, being there to help them, walk them. We baptized 80 men, many of which had been baptized before. And God put in my heart that each one of these men needed to carry a stone into the water with them. And I didn't even know how that would be because I hadn't seen the river yet. And I said, okay, Lord, but I don't know where we're going to get the rocks. And as we went down to the river, it was an entire beach of rocks. (laughs) So that problem was solved. And I told the men this is a moment just like crossing the river Jordan, that we're going to have you bring a rock of your choosing into the baptism as God led and then as you leave you're going to place that rock on the shore and they'll build a Karen and that and that rock will represent the freedom that you had when you came out of the water and that way in your memory, which is the memorial stones of Joshua. In that memory, you'll be able to always go back to this point to remember what it was like to be free. Each person carried a rock, 80 of them. And every rock was a testimony to what they were and where they were at the time. We're meeting them where they were. Some had little rocks, just like David. David. Others had medium-sized rocks to represent burdens or certain things they were living, giving away. And others had boulders, not an exaggeration either. And there were some strong men out there too, and they were hauling in boulders, which, by the way, doing baptisms with people with boulders on their chest isn't, is a regular fitness exercise. And these were all stacked on the shore in a beautiful cairn and a symbol of where they were in that moment, having been totally freed and entered into the new body with a new name, named as part of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The release, the transformative nature, the power of what that did, 80 of those men out of 120, 80 men were literally transformed that day in ways you can't imagine. And I still see it because I've seen them a week later and it's still in their eyes. They're moving to be warriors without the burdens of what they were carrying to tell them otherwise. All through the week of deliverance, I'd already been through a pretty intense session of deliverance with, the, with Michelle and Leah. And just so I footnote that, that was an interesting thing because even though I followed their channel at the early times when they were on YouTube, we didn't meet until we got to Barts Fest One, and I didn't even know they were coming because I wasn't running the media. And when they were there, and I was having, I was in the evening, I was exhausted, I was sitting on a chair, and two ladies walk up to me and they say, We would just love to interview you. And they were, it was actually one of the security guys that brought them over. And I looked up, I said, You're the resistance checks. And they said, yes. I said, I used to follow you. And they said, no. I said, yes. And we had our first interview and it just, it was like instant you know, energy and synergy. But there was something in my heart that God put at that moment that you just had to have patience to let him work. And it was that there was a part of my story that I had to share with them. And I didn't understand anything about deliverance at that time and I didn't understand why. But there was something on my heart that I had to share, and it only could be with them. And I carried that for two years. And I trusted that that time would be right. When I sat with Leah and Michelle that morning, and I we did probably one of the most important parts of deliverance in my life. Leah said, "You've," and both Leah and Michelle said, "You've tried to tell us before, haven't you?" I said, "Yeah, about twenty times." But it wasn't right. But there in that time, in that moment, as we trust in the Lord and all things were perfect. So now fast forward to the week of deliverance. Just last week, Isaiah 61. You're riding pretty high. You feel like you've got it all under you. Monday night, we do our sessions. Tuesday, I wake up and Leah sends me a word. and She says, Scott, I've got a message, a word for you. She says, you're about ready to enter into another level of deliverance. It's going to be a little bit bumpy, so hold on, because when you come out of it, what you've been gifted will amplify three times. God's ready to raise you up a level. And I kind of snickered. I went, okay, let's see what this is. I am not exaggerating. Two hours later, Brian Derrico takes a picture of me, and i I, it's like I become a little kid. I throw a fit over this dumb picture. It's like, Brian, I look fat, all this garbage, this self-defeating nonsense comes spewing out of my mouth. And then it hits me as it hits him. He says, sit down. And when I say that, it's like go across, sit on the couch. Not once, but twice that day, I was on that couch. And we went deep. And we uncovered and unhooked things from my past, things I didn't even realize that were there. And it's all a process of being set free. And I'm not even ashamed to say how many tears I shed that day as the pain released and the freedom came. And again, that's being a man in kingdom, to be able to have the courage to show your vulnerability as you strengthen your heart for the battle ahead. All that to say that all that was cruising along. Finally, through the week, we had some incredible moments of deliverance, fought some really nasty demon, not exaggerating, and dealt with a witch's curse straight out of the like the worst of Harry Potter. Not exaggerating on that either. It was all from a satanic cult in a package that was delivered to me that had rocks that were painted with child's blood, so you can go from there. It was rough. Had to sit with another pastor who had to give testimony to how one of his disciples had given testimony of some very inappropriate behavior and had to work through that. And we got through that. And so I got home and I felt good and I'm rolling with the Holy Ghost and I'm like, this is great. And last night, Leah shared her heart with the word that she had been given. And this is how God works because he's prepping the space and he's getting you ready. And that word she gave last night was like a key. It was a keystone of an arch, if you know what that is. And it hit me. Like everything that had been coming together over the last four weeks, suddenly locked into the perfect set of architecture that he had. And I could, I literally was like, felt like electricity was running from head to toe, just with a word. And I sat back in my chair and I literally had tears flowing. And I could begin to see and feel a world all different now eyes to see, ears to hear, they have meaning. They're not just metaphors. They're not just things to say. God does just that. It's a realigning. It's a rewriting at a DNA level. You can feel it going on in your body. And I go to sleep and wake up and you feel different. The world looks different. And you don't have a roadmap anymore because he took that away because now this is a walk of faith but you feel it in your heart. And what's at the center of all of this? Love and unselfishly seek the best for one another. That's the root. And from the seed to the root, it's always the same. It's love. And as that fruit bears, and we take that fruit and we harvest that fruit, we're building out the kingdom based on the only thing that's most important to God is that we love and unselfishly seek the best for one another. So this whole journey ultimately brings us just to that passage to understand truly the importance of John 15, 12 to 17, that we must seek the best for one another, that no one has greater love than to lay down his own life for his friends. And that you must love and unselfishly seek the best for one another. That's who we are, that's what we do, and that's being a child of the Most High. Let's pray. Father, who has come to you tonight very humbled and blessed, And just thank you for all you give, for all you have given, and for the mercy and grace that you continue to pour out upon us. Father, we truly don't have words to describe the magnificence, the glory, the love that we hold for you nor the sacrifices that have made for us, and Jesus, what you have done for us to seal the contract with your blood to set us free, cannot be expressed in languages that we know. But what we do know is that we have the heart of the Father, and through Christ to the Father we walk. So tonight, my prayer and my blessing that I ask for all is to open the heart wide, to be vulnerable and transparent before the throne, to let the, the beauty of Jesus flow through you. Let the power of the Holy Spirit heal you and don't hide anything in your heart. For even though God knows what's in your heart, It's our trust in Him that allows us to show Him our heart in its purest sense, the good and the bad and sometimes the ugly. Because it's only there that the true healing begins. And it's there that we let go of all those burdens. We stop thinking about a victory of the future and we start working from victory of now. We start walking as the king, kings, the princes, the queens of this earth because that's who we are. So, Father, that's my prayer, to touch each one's heart with that sense of true life, to breathe life, and the true sense of purpose, and the true sense of anointing. Jesus, we just ask that as you walk alongside of each, just to touch and reveal your face to remind us all of how great you truly are, and whom we serve. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. In Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, we are all on an amazing journey. We're all struggling with different things. We all tangle with different thoughts, and different temptations. But at the end of the day, it's not a difficult walk. The primary command, love and unselfishly seek the best for one another. And it's always the same. When we stumble, take it to the throne, seek repentance, then stand back up and get back in the fight. But never forget we are to love and unselfishly seek the best for one another, no matter how difficult it is, because the power of love truly conquers all. Patriots, have a blessed evening. I'll see you tomorrow morning for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
2: Oh, I want to feel something, I just want to breathe again, dive into the deepest, oh